0: My name is Craig Gross. I'm the founder of com. People call me the pastor of porn. I'm a porn pastor.
1: I love the women, I love the money, and I love the fact that most of the people watching probably want my life. I'm Donovan Phillips, and I'm a porn producer.
2: <laughs> I told you
1: that
0: was going to happen I remember when I first met Donovan Phillips Our ministry, Triple X Church Actually exhibits at porn shows And there we were Manning a 10 by 10 booth And Donovan comes up to us And says My dad's a pastor
1: There was nothing I liked better Than to meet, than meeting someone That, that I'd known growing up and when they asked what I was doing for a living I'd say I'm a porn producer and they'd just kind of snicker and laugh like yeah right funny joke and I'd be like no seriously I'm a porn producer
0: all cocky kind of I know it's wrong but I don't care kind of mentality and over the years we saw kind of that break down a little this life for for years and you know a lot of the the critics of ours say well this you can just be responsible in your porn viewing and it will never take you anywhere else is that that the the case in most most of the situations you've seen overall
1: I would say that that's completely inaccurate because you you start with something small and then like with me the first year I'm there at the porn shows it disgusts me and as time goes on, I, I enjoy them more and more all the time, and none of it to me anymore. It's the same with the with the, with the consumers, for sure. And did you feel bad for what you're putting in the hands of all those customers. One of the things about that I always thought about the consumers, and particularly with Christians, was the law of supply and demand. You know, if, if somebody is consuming a product and creating the demand, they're they're just as involved in pornography as me. They're, they're making it possible for me to make a living producing this plot. So if I'm in a discussion with a Christian, whether it's at a porn show and they're trying to change my ways or whether just in, in general, then I would always ask them the question, of can you honestly say you've never consumed porn? Because if you have, then you're just as in this as I am. So
0: Truths.com launched several years ago and our idea from the start wasn't to shut down the porn industry, but it was to help people. And we believe this, that if the church just stopped consuming pornography, we would put a huge dent into the industry. Rather than picketing and boycotting, just us stop consuming it. The porn industry, the sex industry worldwide, takes in $56 billion a year worldwide. The the revenues in the United States alone are over 13 billion dollars. If you were to add up the combined revenue of the NHL, the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball, the revenues would be less than what the sex industry takes in. The average age someone now sees pornography because of the internet is 11 years old. That gets younger and younger every year because of the internet, because it's so prevalent, it's so easy to find. This transcends all religious boundaries. Doesn't matter what you believe or don't believe in God when it comes to needing help with this issue. Eleven years old, average age, someone sees this. And it's also one of the fastest growing addictions among senior citizens and everybody in between, even women. People think, oh, this is just a guy problem. No, not at all. About a third of the people that look at pornography on the internet are women. Those numbers get larger and larger every year because women have bought into the lie that this is what they need to bring into their marriage this is what the guys want this is what their husbands want if you're struggling with pornography let me tell you you're not alone one of the things that, that we wanted to do with X Church is, is get people together online so they realize that they're not the only ones going through this. Because a lot of you think, you know what, this is just your household that's struggling. A lot of you think you're the only one going through this, and let me tell you, you're not. 47% of Christian families admit that pornography is a problem in their household. This affects the, the, the best of us. This affects pastors as well. This affect. It, it doesn't matter your occupation, your race. So, so, what do we do
3: about it? I started, you know, looking at, at porn when I was thirteen. I ran across a, uh, a video that my parents had had in their house, and uh, that's basically where it all started for me. I, I kind of looked at it every once in a while, um, growing up through high school. It wasn't as bad as as what it it was about to become, and and then I got got married to to my wife, and uh, it was, you know, in in the early stages of our marriage, everything was, you know, everything was good. There was no need to have to look for anything else, Um, you know. But then, for some reason, it, you know, the the pornography had reared its ugly head again and um, called me back and wanted me to, for some reason, look at it more and more. Um, I found myself um, at night leaving our bedroom and going out to the computer, out to the desk, and uh, looking at things online and on the Internet. I found out that you could actually get to some of these pay sites by using your phone bills. And um, Darce would come to me, and she would say, um, hey, we got a phone bill, we got this, you know, some adults, you know, some weird number, some adult, whatever, Internet company, um, looking for some money, what's, what's going on? So then I realized I was caught. So then I was always, you know, trying to look for more ways to be able to go and find some, you know, find what I needed to, to help with my fix of, of porn. So I started looking at it at work. Um, it was real, real risky, and um, you know, there was a little bit of an almost like an adrenaline rush being there too as well. Um, I even went so far as to rearranging my desk so nobody could see my computer and um, setting up so that I would see anybody coming in time so I could turn it off.
4: And I had known he had magazines and a couple of movies, but I always thought, oh, that's just what guys do, and, you know, it was nothing. I never thought or even dreamed that it was going as far as it did.
0: Most people that look at pornography still look at porn by themselves. So this is why we don't talk about it at a church. This is why no one does series and messages about this because it's uncomfortable. And, and you hope by avoiding it, it will just go away. But I, I believe the opposite. The church needs to speak out on this. That's why we organize a, a events like this, like, like Porn Sunday. We do events around the country for women called called Porn and Pastries. We do events for men called Porn and Pancakes because we believe the church should talk about this issue and get their people help. And that's what we want to do here today is to get you to understand this isn't just about getting free of porn. This is about starting to understand that God has something better for us. God has a more abundant life for us. And if we can get rid of the sin in our lives, we can deal with that we could start to experience something better. Paul talks about it like this in Romans. Paul wrote a a good chunk of the New Testament. But here's a guy that was honest and open about his struggles. He says this in Romans 7. He says, I need something more. For if I know the law, but I can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, and I don't do it. When I decide not to do bad, I do it anyways. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something's gone deeply wrong within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so often that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. It's pretty obvious, though, that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me rebels, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there anyone out there who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and all my mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Let me just say, if you're today at the end of your rope, it's okay. I mean, listen to Paul, I've tried everything. I've looked for answers everywhere, but I I just need help. Is there anyone out there who could do something for me? Isn't that the real question? It's okay if you're there, if you're at that point where you think you've tried everything. The answer is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord.
1: Inside, I was just really having a, a, a hard time continuing and I was like almost ready to explode. I was just I was just you know miserable. I mean that's really the only word to describe it. We were contractors for Playboy and one day we were I was sitting in their office and they would offered us a new contract and the contract was for four thousand dollars a day i was just ecstatic about the the money on the way back from their office um i started praying to god because i've been doing a lot of praying recently and i says you know what god it seems like christians are completely wrong because it doesn't seem to matter what i do you you want to bless me it seems and um right after that i felt electricity go through my body it was like almost an electric shock and it wasn't like uh it wasn't really, didn't come in the form of punishment or anything like that. It came more as a form of, you know, I've got a whole lot more for you than this. So, I pulled my car over to the side of the road, and my hands were shaking, and and uh, I just said, "Man, I, I'm not doing this anymore." And I, I quit on the day that we were offered more money, and um, I wasn't ready to accept Jesus as my Savior or to return the surrender of my life to god but um i called up craig gross from triple x church and i says i'm done you know i'm out and um i said i still have a lot of questions that don't make any sense about god in the bible and and i'm not ready to to surrender my life to him yet but two weeks later i was returning once again and i just said god you know um I'm just going to trust that you're going to answer all the different questions and doubts and problems that I have in my mind, and, and I'm just going to surrender all of my, all of this to you and, and trust you to to help me. And right there in my car, two weeks after I quit shooting porn, I surrendered my life to God.
0: I mean, just do just today. We found out that that Donnie Pauling is going to go to seminary. Well, he was shooting porn last year. He's going to graduate seminary in two years from now, become a pastor, and who knows what that guy's going to go on to do. So this was never just about getting him to stop porn. That was just the the very beginning. And I remember, I mean, you telling me, hey, Greg, I still have doubts. I still have things that I haven't. Come to terms with in my own mind, but I just I have to believe. I mean, this this just seems and feels so right. Um, yeah, how how would you encourage somebody to, to just I guess give up and, and realize that that they're not going to be able to do
1: this one on their own? Well, it's definitely something that's going to take God's help. That's for sure, because it, it, you can't do it on your own. And the the thing is, is that you know every person has something different that's going to help them like if you have an addiction to porn um, remembering some of the stories of girls' lives who have been ruined and seeing them as real people and not as you know just some broken you know person that doesn't really matter in life anyway we we seem to get that that idea that people in porn are all messed up anyway to start with so who really cares you know what's happening to them that's not the case it hurts the parents who are who are embarrassed by what they're their child has done it hurts uh, the wives who walk in on their husband looking at a model on the screen and it's even more painful when she realizes it's her niece or i mean these are things that happened all the time and uh each one of us involved from me as a the guy creating the, the supply to, to you is the person consuming it. We all play our part in that.
0: He knows the number of hairs that are on your head. He knows your thoughts before you even think them. So for you to keep this from God, I mean, who are you really fooling? You're not fooling God because he's waiting for you just to simply give up. Simply say, God, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. But God, please forgive me. And the great thing about this is I don't know any other relationship that's like this. He doesn't keep record of wrong. He doesn't count how many times you've gone back to it since you told him that last time. He simply says, I have help for you. My Holy Spirit will will live inside of you and help and, and guide and direct your paths. That doesn't mean you'll never struggle again. That doesn't mean you won't be tempted. What it does mean is you don't have to go about this life on your own, that there is help, that there is way out. After you confess this to God, after you just give up and say, God, I need your help, say, okay, I need to find somebody else that I can confess this to. I need to find somebody else that I can confide in and talk about real things. Welcome to Triple X Church. Uh, this is our place. Yeah, right. What's up? Uh, we just put a new thing on, on our site that says uh, live help and. Um, it's interesting. What, what are we getting? Random, just people see them and they're clicking on? Somebody say, You know, I struggle with porn. I haven't ever told anybody, so. So, what, what is this guy telling you? I can't stop looking at porn. I say, Have you told anyone? No. It's very typical of uh, our audience. No. You know. Do you have uh, a forum or do you have
2: uh, yeah. No, I talk to each person personally.
0: It monitors where you go online and it sends a report of any questionable website that you visit to anyone you want it to. Uh, Brandon has the craziest
2: uh, X3 watch story I I think of us all. Accountability is totally foreign to me, so I put it on my computer, put the little X. I didn't really tell anybody in my family. Sean got a report a month into it and uh, I I told Sean it wasn't me. He got a a bad report with a bunch of bad websites on it and I was like it's not me, Sean. I don't know what to tell you. It's just not me. And he's like, I believe you. I trust you. I don't know. I guess it's someone in my family, maybe one of my brother's friends. He was in middle school at the time. His friend's, you know, that teenage angst thing going on. And uh, finally, uh, the same report came back again. I mean, I'm going through in my head, and um, by elimination, I mean, finally it's my dad. It took me three months to confront my dad, but finally did. And I just said, hey dad, Like, Sean's keeping me accountable and just got some bad reports and we talked through it and it was really good. It was really hard. It was incredibly difficult. But at the same time, it was good in the end. Okay, how are we going to have
0: this conversation? You're already thinking about it. I don't have a safe place. I I don't have someone I can confide in. And let me tell you, it's a lot easier to talk about this now than it will be if you get caught. It's a tough conversation that might not wrap up by lunchtime or dinner time, or, or might even not wrap up by today, but it's something that needs to happen. It might be the difference of losing your job or keeping your job. If it's on your terms, it's going to be a lot easier to have these conversations rather than someone holding up a piece of paper and saying, look, here's what I found. Here's all the files that I found on your computer. Here's all the pictures. The Bible's clear on it too. If you confess your sin, you'll prosper. Find somebody that you can confide in and say, I need help. Let me tell you, I have not met one person that has gotten over an addiction to pornography on their own. It's not going to happen. I don't care if you've stopped smoking on your own, if you've lost 100 pounds, if you've saved your marriage and you've gotten out of bankruptcy, you will not get over an addiction to pornography by yourself. It's not going to happen confess it to God, confess it to somebody else.
3: You know, the stuff I started to look at got, you know, more and more graphic, um, a little bit more and more hardcore.
4: Like putting your slide at the top of a hill, and you just kind of scoot closer and closer, and you get to a point where your slide's not going to stop, and you just zip down the hill and... Things got away.
3: An advertisement came up for an event called Porn and Pancakes, which was sponsored by X Church. I think it was the first speaking engagement that Donnie Pauling had had uh, with them after coming out of producing pornography. Um, he sat up there with JR Man and, and basically told told everybody what you know what went on in his life, um, what he had seen, um, all the girls' lives that he had destroyed, the stories of all the girls. Uh, I I looked at him and I said, Hey, I need to talk to you about this. I've got a problem. And so he was, he was very very concerned and very loving towards me. And um, I told him about all my junk. I laid it all out there on the floor for him. And um, I said, hey, listen, here's the problem I've got. Um, here's where I'm at. I want to end this. And so basically I drove home, probably the fastest I've ever driven home from church. My wife came around the corner, and uh, I just gave her a big hug.
4: Well, I could tell on the look of, on his face, too, that something huge had happened.
3: I went into the living room. Um, It was December, so we had, you know, firewood with us there, and i opened up the fireplace, and I started a fire, walked to our bedroom. Um, I had had a collection of DVDs, some magazines and stuff that, you know, that we kept under the bed, and that was the only thing that that Darce ever really knew about. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I grabbed that material, and I, I came back walking down the hall, and... Obviously, being at the event that I was just at, she noticed what was going on. She looked at me. She smiled. I think it was probably the biggest smile I'd ever, you know, other than our marriage scene on your face. Um, I walked by her, opened up the fireplace. I had taken the magazines and the DVDs, and I, I threw them all in the fire.
4: Things have gotten so much better since then. I mean, we're able to talk better. We're
3: We're a lot more open.
4: A lot more open. I don't feel like you're hiding anything from me. Um, it's
0: like a whole different person. I, I took a guy to jail. I'll never forget it. It was um, a guy I met at church. He tells me how he was struggling with pornography. He said to me, Craig, I'm at the end of Porn Boulevard. I, I said, where? where? Where's your situation taking you? He said, to a Yahoo chat room posing as a 12-year-old boy soliciting other kids for photos. He said, I didn't think when I got into this I'd be there, but that's where I ended up. I said, so Bill, what have you lost? Because this has taken, er he said, everything from him. I lost my wife, I lost my job, I lost my house. I am bankrupt, and I'm losing five and a half years of my life in jail. We stayed in contact with him and his family. A couple months later, I get a phone call. He says, Craig, I I I got sentenced to Boston's Devon's Federal Penitentiary. I, I said, When are you going? He said, Tom- Tomorrow. I said, I'm in Boston. I think it's just a God thing. I'd love to be able to, to to take you and and have some time with you. It was rough. It was rough to actually see, like, this is where this takes you. This is where the road ends up for this guy. And uh, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, but. I mean, the Bible says that sin's fun for a season, but it comes to an end. And to, to see that season end um, for this guy, man, it was tough um, to watch him lose everything. We would drive back to the airport, and, and Kevin is driving. Kevin is Bill's best friend from childhood. I'm sitting in the back seat, and I just had to ask. I said, Kevin, I just got really one question. This day kind of just stinks, and... I know it's been tough on you to see your best friend now in jail, but did you ever know that Bill was struggling with this? That's, that's, I guess, what I need to know. And Kevin kept driving. It was silent. I then apologized. Kevin, I'm sorry, man. I I didn't mean to put blame on you. I, I just wanted to know for my own sake. And then he said, Craig, I'll be asking myself that question for the next five and a half years of my life as my best friend is in jail. He said to me, he said, it's almost like he wanted to get caught. Later I would ask Bill, did you want to get caught? Bill said, yes. Getting caught was the only way I was gonna stop. So, Bill would say things to Kevin every now and then in in hopes that Kevin would kind of take that bait and and he would ask. And Kevin said, But you you can't. I couldn't just put my friend on that sin. I couldn't just put my friend on that situation because I want to think the best of him. And even though the signs were there, I never had the guts to just say, Bill, what is going on? And now Bill sits a, a year into his term in Boston, in jail. As his friend Kevin sits there and goes, I should have just stepped up to the plate. And when I saw things that didn't line up with what I know Bill believes, I should have asked him. Confess this to God. Confess this to somebody else. And let's do that in a way of love and compassion that we can help each other out. We were at a porn convention in Las Vegas. A reporter from Nightline came up to us. His name is Martin Bashir. And he said, hey, I'm kind of intrigued by the, the approach here, that you guys are at a porn show and you're, you're handing out Bibles. Could I talk to you? So we get on a conversation, the cameras are rolling, and then he finds out that our ministry and, and myself, uh, that we're friends with Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy is the largest porn star in the industry. I mean, he's the, uh, 29 years in porn, 1,800 X-rated films, and 5,000 women he has slept with. I debate Ron on, uh, on college campuses across the United States. He's the porn king. I'm the porn pastor. We both share our views on pornography, and then kids ask us questions. Afterwards, we go out to dinner. Afterwards, we go back to the same hotel, and we'll talk about life, about heaven, about hell, about friends, family. Ron's met my wife, he's met my kids, he's met my pastors, he's met uh, people that mean the world to me. I've started to share those things with this guy because I believe that's what the Great Commission is all really about. I, I don't hate the guy, I love the guy. I don't like what he does for a living. So Martin Bashir says, why don't you bring him on over to the booth? So I call him, Ron comes over, Martin says to Ron, what do you think about Craig? And Ron says, I like Craig, I like what his ministry does because if people don't want to be in porn, I don't want them in porn. I'm glad he's there to help women out of the porn industry and I'm glad he's there to help people that want to stop looking at our stuff. We don't need him. Then he turns to me and I'm like, okay, he's going to ask me what I think about Ron Jeremy because that's like, okay, what am I going to say? And instead he looks at me and he says, Craig, is Ron Jeremy going to make it to heaven? kind of took a deep breath and there's cameras and people all around me and I said porn won't keep him out the 1800 videos the the 5000 women the 29 years that's not going to matter if he decides that the hole in his heart can only be filled by God that there's a God out there that nothing Ron Jeremy can do and has done will, will stop God from loving him any less. That's why we keep going back to those conventions, because God allows us to have those types of conversations. But today, my encouragement to you, it would be the same thing I, I shared with Ron, that there's nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. This isn't your lot in life. This isn't, you don't have to walk out of these doors thinking, oh, I'm just going to struggle forever. And No, you can walk out of these doors encouraged to know that there's a God that loves you despite of all the garbage in your life, despite of all the things that constantly trip you up. There's a God that loves you, no matter what you've done, that doesn't keep record of wrong, that says, I want to give you something better. It's time we believe it. Not the lives of the world that say this is what you need. We start to believe that that Jesus Christ is the answer and he has something better for all of us. And that this sin over here is just in our way. It's just slowing you back. It's slowing you down. It's holding you back from all that God wants to do in your life. So you need to talk to God about it. Talk to somebody else about it. And then today, clean it up. Get it out of your life so you can start to experience something that's so much better. up maybe it's pornography maybe it's other sexual sin maybe it's something that you've never told anybody it's not going to go away on on its own to realize that there's a god that loves you and wants to help you please go ahead and bow your heads with me today maybe you know you've been coming for weeks You, you know the lord you have a relationship with him but just like paul you realize this stuff gets in the way. And when Paul says, I want to do what is right, but, but sin, is right there. I keep going back to it. And he finally realizes that, that God offers help. And, and maybe that's you today, that you have this relationship with Jesus, but you realize he wants to use you in ways that, that you can't even begin to imagine. But you know you need to be free from this sin that's holding you back every time that you keep returning to. And if that's you today with everyone's heads bowed and and eyes shut, I I would just ask you to just slip up your hand. If if you're to that point where you just say, God, I just need help. Awesome. see you all all around. You're just saying, I I can't do this on my own. Let me go ahead and pray for those of you that, that have slipped up your hand. God, I thank you. For those that have said, I'm tired of doing this on my own. I realize that I can't do this anymore on my own. I need to, I need to talk to you about this. So God, I, I pray as, as even right now as they begin to, to talk to you. and I thank you, God, that they forgive us. That you don't keep record of wrong. I thank you, God, that you have something better for us. I pray for conversations that, that need to happen when we leave with our spouses, with our parents, with with maybe a a pastor. God, I pray for compassion uh, for the spouse or the parents that that are gonna hear things that that hurt and disappoint. But God, I pray that through your power, your grace, that, that we could get through these things and they can clear this stuff out of the way got I thank you what you're going to do through each and every person here, ways that you're going to use them. And maybe today you don't have that relationship with Jesus. You're tired of the stuff that you keep going back to, but but you've never completely given your life to, to Christ. I remember a year ago when I got that phone call from Donnie and the first one, well, well, Craig, I got to get rid of porn. If you got any ideas, I'm not ready to come to Jesus. And what, two weeks later, he's driving and he pulls over his car and he finally just gives up. He still had doubts. He still had questions. He still had things that, that weren't figured out altogether in his mind, but he finally just surrendered. Today, maybe all your questions aren't answered maybe, maybe you're still questioning certain things about God and this whole thing but, but like Paul says you've realized that this has got to be the answer I've tried, I've looked everywhere else and nothing else makes sense God says if, if you confess if, if you confess your sins that, that he's faithful to forgive us today all you have to do is realize that there's a God that loves you who sent his son to live a perfect life here on earth he died a brutal death on a cross but three days later he rose from the dead to give us a new life to give us a fresh start he not only says will he come back one day and we'll spend eternity with him in heaven he also says hey I'm going to give you life to the fullest if you confess with your mouth and you believe it in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. If that's you today, that they're simply saying, I need Jesus. I've tried everything else and nothing seems to work. I'm at the end of my rope. I need this new start. I'd ask with everyone's heads bowed and I shut that. You just slip up your hand right now. If that's you, and. See you. See you. We're going to go in and say a prayer. If you'd say this after me, it's no magical words, but just simply saying to, to God that, that you accept this free gift. If you could say this, uh, dear God, I thank you for Jesus. Please forgive me of my sins. Please give me a new start. I promise to live my life in a way that will please you. I thank you for what you did on the cross. pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. If you could give them a hand.